When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I want to welcome you back to another episode of what I branded Pivotal, since these interview-style segments tackle impactful CPG industry topics and lessons from the business leaders that live it every day. If I asked you to make a list of the fastest-growing supplement brands of the 2020s, I'd consider you downright silly if you didn't include the name Bloom. Excuse the punny joke, but if you weren't aware, business is absolutely blooming at the supplement brand that Greg Lavecchia co-founded with his wife, Mari Llewellyn. In our conversation, Greg and I cover everything from Bloom's overnight success and how the power of an audience-first CPG strategy propelled the early days to how 2020 changed everything for the company in a good way. And we also deep dive into Bloom's exceptional strategic alignment between its digital marketing playbook sales channel strategy, and the greens and superfoods product. But before Greg and I dive into these fascinating topics and more, I want to give a quick shout out to the supporter of today's content, Synergy Flavors. Combining a long heritage of flavor development and modern extraction technology, Synergy Flavors blends art, science, and market insights to create an exceptional array of tastes that drive brand innovation and delight consumers. And you'll hear in this episode just how important a great tasting hero product was to the success at Bloom, allowing it to become the most reviewed greens powder on the Amazon marketplace. If you're interested in learning how Synergy Flavors can help your functional CPG brand stay one step ahead of the competition by developing high quality taste solutions, head over to SynergyTaste.com or reach out to me directly and I'll connect you with the relevant team members. But without further delay, here is the recent conversation I had with my good friend and CEO of Bloom, Greg Lavecchia. Greg, thanks for taking time out of your day to jam and give um, insights to my audience. I have to say, like I respect and appreciate the hell out of what you guys have been able to build thus far. I know you guys are still in the early stages of what I'm sure your aspirations are with Bloom. But, um, you know, every time I, I see something, every time I kind of look deeper into something, I'm like, this is this is interesting. I like I like it. I like it. I I have to admit, though, I'm probably not one of those like day ones, uh, you know, or whatever they call it. Like, I'm definitely not that person because I didn't catch wind, I think, of you guys until like early 2021. And it, it was mostly probably, I think, from some activity on Amazon and, and things like that. And And that's you know, no knock on anything that you guys were doing, but like, I'm one of those weirdos that like typically only follow people that I know on social media. (laughs) So like I have a, I have a little bit of a blind spot for like early creator brands and and things like that, unless I'm doing like a consulting project or whatever that requires me to do a deep dive. Like, I don't know a lot of times like the very early ones, because I don't have a lot of those like parasocial relationships out there or or whatever that I'm like, oh, that, you know, that influencer, that celebrity, that whatever, uh, which I know I'm the oddball, I think, at this point. But um, but yeah, I think when you guys started to to pick up some steam on on Amazon, I was like, oh, this is something I got to pay attention to. No, it's funny you say that because first of all, thank you for the kind words. We pretty much had our head in the sand, very intentionally. You know, even even in the in the business circles, I I had no network. You know, we kept to ourselves. We worked to ourselves. We everything is done in house, so it's not like we were working with any agencies. And then on January 3rd of this year, and I'll bring this story back later and tell it in depth, but we bought the first page, we bought the front, we bought the home page of Amazon, right? So I was like, all right, it's 2023. It's time to make a fucking statement. I want the world to know what's the biggest billboard I can buy for a 24 hour period. And I was like, well, that's probably the front page of Amazon. So spent, went all in 1.3 million, definitely more, probably had to put a couple of that on an Amex and uh, bought the front page for 24 hours. And then everyone knew who we were. Um, so it's, it's definitely been an interesting year since January 3rd, specifically. 
But uh, I'm glad you knew us before then. If you're saying 2022, then you then you are early, especially for a guy. Because keep in mind, we're 90, 95 percent women customer base. Yeah, no. So it was, it was 2021. I mean, I think it oh, nice. I caught you guys pretty pretty early, and that's mostly because I think I do a lot of work in in Amazon and and just across categories. Uh, yeah, I would say that like to your point, you know, if I'm talking about brands that I follow, especially like some of the creator brands, like it's probably more male than than female, and that's mostly because it's if it's a personal consumption of of content of that just relates more to me than you know the other side of it. But um, I think that I was just you know, super impressed about what all the stuff I think you guys were doing. And again, I think I'm a lot of times earlier of understanding like some of the moves of, or, and then I look backwards and start to see like some of the earlier kind of stuff, which is a, a bit of a transition here because, um, I usually do not do too much like background. I, you know, I wish I had producers and things that could like go into the depths of whatever, but for whatever reason, I stumbled on a video and, it was you talking about how you kind of created a supplement brand back. I don't know if it was like middle school, high school, whatever it was. And what was it called? Slim, Simply the best. Was that what it's called? Is that why you mentioned that in one of our initial emails? Yeah. I was like, oh, about that? Dude, like, does this merch. guy, this I guy know my brand? <laughs> I was working, I was walking around the college campus with a shirt that said STB, Simply the Best Nutrition. And the B had a leaf. Like oh, it was just man. like the Bloom logo. So, I mean, I've, I've had, this, and then every pr presentation I did in business school was about a hypothetical supplement brand called Simply the Best Nutrition. Talk about like the power of visualization. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm not the, you know, I'm probably not the most religious guy, but like from a spiritual energy, yeah. that kind of stuff, like I'm big on like that all of this has energy. All of these thoughts were once kind of there and then they start to like, yeah form and, and all that stuff. And it's like crazy because you were doing that way before you had any idea that you were going to maybe one day create, you know, a supplement brand. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know your background, but like in my teenage years, I wanted to be a pro bodybuilder. Mm. So at age, at age 14, I was at that point on, I was obsessed with supplements. You know, my, my pantry, every dollar I had was pretty much spent on supplements, at least until I got a driver's license. But, um, so I, I wanted to be a bodybuilder from day one. I was obsessed with uh, supplements from day one. And I mean, all of this just just makes sense. And then I don't know if you're aware of this, but obviously I'm, I've co-founded the brand with my wife, but my best friend from high school and now our best friend who actually ordained Mari and I at our wedding uh, is our COO. Mm. So, you know, it's it's still just kept within our, our personal circle and we all grew up within one mile apart from each other. And it's a, I'll, I'll go into the whole brand story in a minute, but there's a lot of like weird, small world, like all meant to be aspects of this brand that I think make it pretty special, for, at least yeah. behind the scenes. Yeah, I, lo I love that. I mean, I, I think that obviously any time you have the opportunity to create things with people that are close to you and, and have that, it's special because I feel like there's no going to, there's, you know, when you have and you look across the room and you're like, you know, I want to battle for this person or or whatever it is, like it it pushes you to, I think, limits that you don't normally would get to by yourself um, because you care so much about the people that are in that room. Um, and a lot of times, you know, those are unbreakable by people that have been in your life for for a long period of time. But um, I did want to kind of talk about like the you know, the overnight success aspect of, of Bloom, because, you you know, we mentioned it earlier, like most people probably know you guys from the last year-ish. For most people, like, where did this brand come from? What the heck is going on? These guys all of a sudden became the biggest thing in the supplement industry, and they came out of nowhere. But you guys, there's, a, there's stories that go back here beyond even, I think, the start of the supplement brand, there yeah. are, you know, like the, I always call them like the audience first, like CBG yeah. phrase, you know what I mean? It's, it's that idea that you build an audience first. And then at that point, you have the ability to do whatever with that audience, as long as you can continue to serve them products and services or whatever those are to kind of go there. But like that ends up creating like these massive, powerful brands of today. And you guys had that. I'll start from the jump. So Mari and I started dating in college. Um, Mari is my, now my wife and co-founder of Bloom Nutrition. And in 2017, Mari went through a fitness transformation, um, you know, which, which may or may not have been slightly influenced with my obsession with bodybuilding. 
Um, and she lost 90 pounds. I mean, wow. you know, it was, it was an incredible transformation, took, took, you know, took, took control of her whole life and has now turned into an incredible entrepreneur and personality herself. But um, she shared that on Instagram. It got some traction, right? Like, it, I wouldn't say it was an instant virality, but like, it, you know, it, was, it got some PR, it got some, you know, reposts on some pages and people started to follow her. And she started to post, you know, as an influencer and share just her, her journey and her life and, you know, started to be a regular active user of Instagram. I, we were still in the dorm room at this point, right? We were still hmm. in college. And I was like, Mara, you know, I've been watching all these drop shipping videos and watching all these Facebook ad videos, you know, I was obsessed with Alibaba and all these things at that point. And I was like, let me just run some Facebook ads with the CTA, you know, with the call to action, just being follow this page. Right. And I knew that if I could do that, if they just, you know, if they just saw her page for a second, they'd be like, Oh, this person's amazing. I need to click follow. Right. So we scaled that operation as big as we could without even having a product, just getting her as many followers as possible, which is a key point from the beginning because generally speaking, if a, if a female influencer has, let's say a million followers, half a million of them are male, half, you know, a hundred thousand of them, if not more are in Brazil or a non addressable TAM, right? And Mari is now 1.6 million followers on Instagram are like the perfect targeted female consumer and community out of, you know, so it's almost like she has 10 million followers. Yeah. You get what I'm trying to say? So from there, everyone was asking her, hey, how can I take control of my life and have a similar, you know, fitness transformation physically and mentally? And so we launched a $5 instant download PDF. And we'd had no Shopify. People would DM her and she would send it to them. You know, we would send them the PayPal me link. And it was it was a ridiculous operation, just all night working the DMs. And that just turned into an incredible, it was called it was called Mari Fitness, the Mari Fitness Guides, the best business ever. There was no cog, should have never stopped doing it. And from there, our first physical product was a booty band, right? Like a cotton, similar to like a, you know, the first one that comes to yeah. mind is I think Mark Bell calls it a hip circle. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, very similar to that product. It was, it was when everyone in 2018, I think this was, it was all about growing your ass in the yeah. female space. Right. So like, of course that was like the perfect, everything's timing in business. And that was of course, perfect timing. Uh, at this point we had a Shopify and it was like a way more streamlined process. Sold over a million of those booty bands. Um, and then everyone was saying, Hey, what supplements should I take? And Mari was very strategic in the sense that she never signed a deal. Right. Everyone want every supplement company was like trying to sign her, let alone active work company. And she said no to any everyone and said, No, I'm gonna be, you know, one of the few, if not one of the less than five people who said, I'm not going to work with another company. I'm going to try to, you know, make my own companies. Um, and so in 2019, we launched Bloom Nutrition with just a pre-workout. Uh, we were completely bootstrapped. It was just funded from those instant download PDFs and the booty bands. And we launched a you know, lower caffeine, Mari deals with anxiety. We wanted an anxiety-friendly, female-focused pre-workout. So Bloom Nutrition was born and intentionally not called Mari Supplements, right? Like we knew this would end up being bigger than Mari. And so, you know, we kept selling out. We kept on just ordering the MOQ, the minimum order quantity of any, you know, small manufacturer that we could work with in the Northeast because for some reason I wanted them to be close to us because uh, we were in New York at this point and had a really strong first year. And so we're living in New York at this point and we're working out of like Mario's dad's attic, just like completely, you know, startup culture. Mari and I just by ourselves doing everything, customer service, fulfillment, logistics, R&D, et cetera. And we were getting like just so much, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this. We were growing up in a town where everyone had a very traditional corporate job, whether that's lawyer, banker, doctor, or normal nine to five. and Honestly, like people weren't that supportive of the journey that we were on in terms of trying to become our own entrepreneurs and being self-employed. And so out of nowhere, we're like, we need to get out of here. Right. So Mari and I moved to Boulder, Colorado. We okay. we thought we liked the outdoors, which we do, but not as much as people in Boulder. And <laughs> and um we lived there for a year. And when I tell you we maybe have one or two friends after that entire year there, both of which are currently work for us still because they ended up becoming our first employees, our first team members. Um, we just worked for 365 days straight, you know, essentially hiding in the mountains of Boulder. And at that, you know, we ended that year with a pretty full 
performance fitness supplement line for women made by women, right? Pre-workouts, EAAs with some hydration in them, uh, a whey protein, and of course, you know, a, a decent amount of back and forth perfecting those products. Like I remember the first whey product that we had was a whey plus collagen product, which I actually thought was an incredible product, but it was, I think it was not used to what people were seeing. But anyway, um, then in 2020, we launched the greens. And so instantaneously, our customer went from a female, an incredible community, but niche community, a female who works out, you know, who goes to the gym, takes pre-workout to any woman in the United States. And it was just so clear that the wellness space was such a, you know, apples and oranges tam compared to the, the fitness space for women, right? And I mean, within six to 12 months, this grease powder became our hero skew by far. And we pretty much just said, okay, this is the opportunity here. You know, we saw, we saw, we saw hero skew companies starting to become more of a thing, right? You know, think vital proteins, yeah. like before vital proteins, most companies had a pretty big horizontal expansion in terms of their product line, right? Like think first form, they have a hundred different, probably a thousand different SKUs, right? So it was, it was weird that we were going to put all of our energy into greens. We knew for some reason that just was calling to us and it just made sense. So you know, we had this greens product, organic fruits and vegetables, probiotics, prebiotics, essentially this all-in-one supplement. It was perfect timing in terms of the gut health trend. Uh, Mari was obsessed with the product herself. Of course, I obviously take the product too, but I'm, I'm a male, so it's a little different. And we scaled Bloom to it in its second year to 23 million with just with just Mari as the face of the brand. No other influencers working with us. Uh, you know, pretty aggressive. Uh, I guess at the time it was called Facebook. I was going to say Meta, but a pretty aggressive Meta, uh, you know, arbitrage of just like pretty advanced campaigns, which is what I ran. I'm a marketer by trade, hmm. and then at that point it was still like Mari and I, maybe a graphic designer, and then our amazing customer service head at the time, who's now our head of HR, Dom, and we understood both sides of the table of influencer marketing, right? Because Mari had an influencer level uh, follower following herself. So we were like, okay, we have this product that is the TAM is literally any woman in the United States. We need to throw this into the wildfire that is the algorithm of Instagram because TikTok wasn't around yet. And we started an influencer program. At that point, we were at a major turning point of the brand because it was getting way too big for me to just handle myself, let alone or for Mari and I to handle ourselves. And so I called onto my best friend from high school. My, and my best friend at that time, Leo, who was doing sales in the finance world. And, you know, he was in, a, in the classic, stereotypical, essentially boiler room yeah. of, uh, of sales, right? And I was like, you need to click copy and paste of that sales boiler room in this, like, you know, in this masculine, tos toxic environment. Like, I want you to make that our influencer program in-house here. Right. And I want to have relationships with all these influencers. I want to know their birth. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to do's, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 seven in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I want another anniversary. It's like, I want to become, just create the best influencer program that we possibly can to create as much awareness about this product as possible. And I know that, if, you know, if people try it, they'll continue to come back. So he did that. He left, he left finance, which was a thriving career at the time. He took the chance to come join the team with us. And we started working at this point, we're in New York City, and we started to scale what has now become, without a doubt, at least on the TikTok channel, the largest in-house influencer agency that I would think exists. And I'm talking, it's a, it's a unique program in the sense that, you know, we don't call any of these people Bloom athletes. Um, there's no affiliate codes. There's no affiliate links. There's, there's zero attribution to the entire program, which I imagine most corporate CMOs would have a heart attack if they saw how this program works. But it's at the point now where we're talking six, seven, eight hundred million views a month across Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Um, you know, two, three, four Super Bowl ads worth of views a month, depending on how big you want to call a Super Bowl ad. But that is now our entire top of funnel marketing for the for, for the company. Um, 
and has you know of course you know if we were 23 million in, in 2019 2020 we're now i don't know five six seven eight times that the thing about the influencer marketing was there's something just like inconvenient about shopify for the gen z consumer which is who we were addressing and so when we we took the we took the jump and we went on amazon i was very scared to go on amazon you know at, at the time amazon had a little bit of a a more gray reputation right in terms of uh in terms of the sellers on there in terms of how they treat you in terms of like how the 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 wild west of the reviews, for example, and how all of that works. So I was very nervous about it, but we hopped on Amazon and that was just the perfect complimentary channel for this influencer program. And, you know, fast forward to only a six months later, let alone today, Amazon's still our biggest channel. 50% of this business is on Amazon. Uh, we have at, at many points throughout the last 12 months, we've had the number one BSR in all of health, health and household, which is like fucking toilet paper, let alone supplements. Like we're beating, we're beating toothpaste, like we're beating everyone on Amazon. Um, as we've entered Omnichannel, which is now Target and Walmart, Amazon has become a, a little bit of a different channel for us. But um, you know, Amazon was our bread and butter for probably 24 months straight. And I think so many entrepreneurs, small businesses, startups in any space, let alone CPG or wellness, really sleep on Amazon and the opportunity or the tan that's on there. I mean, to have something where people essentially have no excuse but to convert, right? You just click an orange button that says buy now and you could have the profit the next day on your doorstep. It is the single greatest sales channel that has ever existed, right? And for, I see so many brands not taking advantage of this. Uh, it does, you know, there's, there's, there's a thousand different green products that somebody could buy. It's the most saturated channel of a product that exists. But it's just incredible. Like I'm, I'm yeah. such a fan of Amazon. And I, I also think they get a bad rap for like being this big corporation. You know, coming from me, who was a small business and a startup, they, they gave us that platform, right? They gave us that, that platform to support us as a small business. And, you know, I now have a more of a corporate relationship with them. And they've been very supportive. I think about some of these, you know, kind of decisions um, that you guys have made. And I get a lot of people that will ask me like, just off the cuff, you know, kind of questions about something strategic. And I, I think they always want me to give a quick answer. And I'm always kind of wanting to dig deeper into understanding some of the other like integrated decisions around that, like everything in a vacuum could, you know, it doesn't really matter. Like it needs to be aligned and, and it needs to be something that matches. And it's like a puzzle yeah. that needs to be put together. If things are out of alignment, and one decision you're making on one side of the house, if that's marketing, is not aligned with something on the sales side, like you're just creating resistance and you're creating chaos in your organization. So a lot of times I I can't give a quick answer. And I think you made a extremely kind of good point that I want to make sure that people kind of connect the dots. You you said something around, hey, we don't necessarily you know, track codes, you know, attribution in terms of our our influencer program, but you're using it as, like you said, it's a it's impressions billboard and because of who you're marketing to and knowing that their natural shopping behavior and, and journey is going to start on Amazon, if not, you know, them purchasing on Amazon or them at least yeah. first product search going on there and typing yeah. it in, that's where they're naturally going to go. It's going to be the first thing they do. So yeah, you're not going to get like what most people think about this clean transactional kind of relationship with your influencer program, but you're you're leveraging them in the way that you want them to. You don't want them to be pushing sales and transactions. You want them to be pushing the experience and the product. And yes. naturally, if somebody enjoys that content, they're going to go to Amazon first. And because yeah. now that you're on Amazon and you guys have I think the most reviews out of any greens product, something that you guys do really well, at least that I that I saw or, or have experienced myself is that you guys have focused a lot on taste in a category that's not taste forward. Um, so when you look at like, you know, Amazon reviews, most from an ingestible CPG standpoint are coming from a taste. Taste is where it's going to be. So when you do have a product that usually is like, hey, it's going to taste like crap because, oh, look at all this stuff that's in it. It's naturally that's what it's going to taste like. But you guys are saying, no, we're just going to actually take the time. Flavor is, is really important here. We're going to we're going to make sure these things are great. And because of that, then people are going to be more willing to write positive reviews for us, which then just creates that flywheel of like social credit for you guys, where then more people then go from your influencer program over to Amazon. They see that there's 
40,000 positive reviews. They're going to go, I'm not a special snowflake. This sounds great. I'm going to buy it because everybody else is buying it. So why wouldn't I buy it? Like it's kind of that follower mentality a little bit, but like when you mention those things, when they're connected together, they become really powerful. Now in a vacuum, each one, you're like, okay, well maybe I would have looked at it maybe differently. But then when you put those things together, that's when they really become powerful, which then to your point, you guys have had such a hockey puck because you've connected the dots in a way that is super impressive. And it goes back to those earlier statements. Like when I look at your guys's company or anybody's company, when I do analysis, like I'm looking for those types of decisions that end up becoming these multipliers um, that become things that are hard sometimes for people to put their finger on because they always want to go to this like easy, like, oh, it's because, you know, they have this or they have that, but where it's usually a combination of three things that just worked in conjunction with each other and perfectly that then all of a sudden took on this momentum thing and like, you know, momentum and if it's sports or business, like it's hard to sometimes explain it but it's real. It, it just happens where it just takes off and it just goes. You come from the days where I come from, where when we go out a protein shake, we had to squeeze our nose, right? Mm -hmm. So I think in, in 2022, sorry, 2023, let alone since probably 2018, flavor is almost on the same level of priority or importance as the actual efficacy of the product. Taste is crucial, especially when you're you know, getting people where Bloom is getting people who are new to their fitness journey a lot of the time, right? Sometimes we're the first supplement they've ever bought. They're used to drinking Diet Coke. They're used to drinking full calorie Coke. Yeah. They're used to good flavor, right? Like they cannot, you know, a greens product is very difficult to make taste good. You know, most people compare most, most people compare most greens powders to the bottom of the lawnmower, right? In terms of what it tastes like. <laughs> and so taste from the beginning of Bloom was, was, was crucial and we learned that early on, which by the way was difficult for me to understand because I was somebody who just cared about efficacy. I, I almost enjoyed a bad tasting product. Like I still I still drink disgusting supplements and shakes just because like that's you know I like the the tenacity that comes with that. But um the female space and I think overall the Gen Z generation um taste is 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 up there with the number one most important thing. I also think people don't realize how easy it is to lose a conversion and something as little as taking a coupon code from your favorite influencer and that extra step at the conversion point, yeah. you're losing so many people. So early on, I was like, how do I make a checkout process that is as little, as little clicks as possible, whether that's on my Shopify or at Amazon. But the first thing is to have a marketing funnel that says, go buy it anywhere. I, wherever you want to buy it, you can buy it. And there's nothing you need to do except click buy now. Right. So there's no coupon code. You don't have to go like remember who your favorite influencer is and click their affiliate link. All of those things slow down the process. They add a step and therefore you lose customers. Right. I mean, another thing that comes with that too is I didn't want an affiliate program that discounted the product. Right. I don't want to, I don't want to have a constant 10, 20% off of our product. Our product never goes on sale unless it's, you know, Black Friday or Prime Day. Yeah. Right. And that's been something that's been that's been a, you know, a core value of this brand is, is we're not doing like every influencer has 20 percent off of this product. We don't do that. Um, that said, you're also playing a game where there's very little attribution, at least easy to track attribution. So you have to get pretty sophisticated in, in your tracking techniques. But, you know, I'm, I'm very happy that we've that we've kept that from the beginning. Um, back to the brand story. So in 2022. You know, early last year we started to call Target, and I was like, "Listen, you need to put us in our stores. Like, this is this is crushing out Amazon. If you're using Amazon as a barometer of the overall American demand of a product, it makes no sense for you to not have our product in your store, right?" They said, "Fuck you." They were like, "Dude, suit." Well, they, no, Target didn't say. I love Target. They did not say that to us. Um, but, <laughs> but they said, "They said, listen, Greg and Mari, you know, superfoods don't sell." We just spent the last two years putting superfoods all over our shelves. I don't know if you remember a brand called Your Super, RIP. Mm -hmm. um, but they put, put a lot of money into superfoods on their shelves and none of them sold. And so the buyer had like PTSD for putting superfoods on their shelves. And they were replacing it or going back to collagens. They said, no, 2023 is all about collagens. Uh, you know, I, we don't even want to talk to you. I said, please put one single facing skew of our hero flavor berry on the bottom shelf, anywhere in the store, as many stores as you want to give us, and I'll show you what we're capable of. So 
in October or November of 2022, they put us in 600 stores, the worst possible location, single forward-facing SKU, and we were a top five selling SKU in the department with just that being given to us. So being a, a spoiled e-commerce brat and thinking that things change you know, on a weekly, monthly, let alone daily level, I was like, all right, we're doing great. It's been a month. Now put us in full chain. They were like, yeah, sure. The reset's in October next year. And I was like, what are you talking about? Resolution season's coming up. Like we're, we are resolution. It's going to be huge for us. You need to put us on full chain. I don't even need an end cap. Just put us in full chain for resolution season. They were like, that's literally impossible. That's not how target works. You're an idiot. And so, which, which I think this, you know, goes to show how little experience we had our entire team had, you know, we didn't have a head of sales or anything at this point. It was just Mari and I and, and Leo. And so I didn't, I just didn't accept that. I was like, there's no way it should work this way. So transparently I said, here's a million dollars put us in full chain anywhere in the store you want that there's an open spot, which by the way, there were still a lot of supply chain issues with competitors at this point. So there were people who were not able to get onto the shelf for resolution season, which was a, a nightmare for target working with these, you know, other sellers. So I said, give us their spot. If they can't fill the shelf, put us anywhere in the store, just give us full chain. And I'm going to show you the best target campaign that has ever happened digitally, let alone for a supplement brand. And they did that. So, Late November, we got ridiculous, you know, all over the place placement within Target's full chain. And we ran a very aggressive resolution campaign for Target and ran that, you know, mostly through the end of February, uh, or at least through mid-February. And the first week of February, our berry greens hit the highest peak week of sales for a single SKU in the history of Target OTC. Wow. So that includes, you know, Flonase, that includes Quest Bars, that includes Vital Proteins, you know, and insert any, you know, that includes aspirin, right? Yeah. Uh, so our peak week of sales, the highest week of sales of any product in supplements and OTC. And then, you know, we started to talk about, okay, how can we make this a, a bigger presence? Um, you know, we launched one more flavor, I think it was in April, which was mango, which is now the top selling flavor. And what you're going to see coming up, I don't know when this goes live, but in September, you're going to see a, a really aggressive, uh, you know, branded end cap rollout, full chain, which I imagine will, you know, at least double our target business overnight. Uh, so we're, we're very bullish on September forward and our relationship with target. They've been fantastic to work with, with up until this point. They've been super supportive of a brand like us. And the, uh, you know, again, they're talking to people who have no experience. They're talking to people who, are, we're a little, we're a little, we lack some understanding with some of the way that these corporate corporations work. Uh, we're very digitally focused, which is, you know, we have a, we have a digital Gen Z consumer with like omni-channel shopping behavior. So they, they shop all over the place. And it, I think it's just, it's just very new to how Target works, but they've, they've totally embraced it. And they've been, a, they've been a pleasure to work with. I'm going to Minneapolis for, for me, my sixth time next week to go chat with all of them over there and we're really excited to discuss 2024 but what's crazy just for anyone who doesn't know this that's excited to get into retail we're talking about 2025 for most of that <laughs> meeting which is still mind-blowing to me that this is that's the pace that retail works but you know it is what it is so probably these last couple of years um because as the you know supplement category is transformed into like food and beverage um those brands that typically were, you know, selling a lot into GNC, a lot online, a lot of vitamin shop, they all of a sudden needed to play around with Kroger's and Target's and Walmart's and, and all those types of things. And it was such a, you know, kind of like a mindfuck to your point, like around you're used to working, especially if they're digital brands, they're used to working in like, you know, seconds, minutes, hours, maybe days. And all of a sudden they're working in like, seasons and quarters and like you know years and it's like so frustrating and you're like well they're doing it completely wrong we need to impart our wisdom on them and then you end up getting probably more frustrated because you're like i don't understand how they don't see what i could see they don't know what i know and it's just it's the flip side you don't know what they know and you know you know it's one of those things where like they work in certain ways and like they work off of efficiencies and and yep. they have their ability to kind of like have that plan and they move a little bit slower, but like that's when you're talking about pennies here and there, like that's really their business is to, is to move kind of slow and steady. They're not really worried about, you know, if you want to sell more or not, like they'd love it, but like at the end of the day, it doesn't 
really push the needle for them all that much. You know, at the yeah. end of the day, it's like one of those situations where it's like it's hard to to move an immovable object. Uh, but I've seen this across the supplement industry, and and I was lucky enough back you know, 2016, 17, I started to see some of those things on the uh, writing on the wall. And I, I started to take on projects with food and beverage, like, you know, salty snacks and carbonated soft drinks and things like that. Cause I was like, they do this stuff at the best, they, they're the best at it. They know how to do these things, you know, distribution models, or, you know, if it's trade marketing or it's just the consumer journey or just at the store kind of um, influence better than anybody else. And I'm like, if this is all going to go where I think it's going to go for my category, and all of a sudden these things are going to be you know, placed more into grocery stores and, and they're going to become more important across all these different you know, channels, I needed to know this stuff to be able to help that. And, and it's lucky enough that like things moved in that direction. I mean, whatever, I would have wasted some time or I would have learned something new. But like the end of the day, it ended up working out. But like, I still come up to this day, like every day I have entrepreneurs that you know, are selling tens of millions, if not, you know, up to a hundred million, like, but all of a sudden they're getting into large retail and they're like, I'm so frustrated. I don't know how to do any of this stuff. This doesn't make any sense to me because like, don't they know what I know? And it's like, I have to tell them like, but you don't know what they know. Like it's, it's tough to kind of like balance those out. And, and it, and it's over time, it's like, you do impart a little bit of wisdom and they impart, like you, you become this, this really valuable source of inspiration to some of these large retailers. And I think a lot of them are changing if it's Walmart or if it's Target or even some of these other, um, you know, if it's 7-Elevens or whatever, they're, they're starting to look at like emerging brand sets, um, yeah. like cut-ins earlier into planograms, like try to figure out ways to like keep that fresher because I think merchandising needs to be new and exciting a little bit because if not, all that attention is going to move online. And they know that. I think they know they have to start to a little bit adapt. Obviously, they need to figure out a way to do it in their own way. But um, I think you pushing them ultimately helps them, even if you yes. feel like you're just getting frustrated because you're like, I don't understand. They're not moving as quick or as aggressive or as agile as me. It's, they just can't. The best, the best sales pitch you can make to a Target, Walmart, you know, insert retailer is I am going to bring you customers who are not currently going down this aisle, let alone currently going to your store, right? So if you can say, I'm going to bring you a new customer into your store, who, by the way, will buy more than just Bloom. Yeah. That's the most valuable thing you can pitch them. Incrementality, I think, is what people miss on so much as they go in there and they go, well, I'm going to, you know, I'm better than X, better, better than X product or whatever that is. But really, you're just swapping dollars for dollars. What they want is I'm going to bring you new dollars, which is at that point, if you, and I think at yes. this point you've shown, like you guys have shown um, through that first trial of like, Hey, give me that one spot on the bottom. I'm going to prove to you that I can do this. At that point, they knew these guys can create incrementality. And because of that, you can write your own ticket at this point, because literally you take that and you sell it to anybody. Hey, Hey, uh, Costco, hey, whatever, like I can yeah. create incrementality because I know how to drive movement into the store with my audience. And they're going to go, that's literally 1%, if not lower than that, brands that can do that. And they're going to go, well, we have to give them whatever they want, which is an extremely powerful place to be at yes. because you've been able to prove it. I mean, it's not that you're going to say you're going to do it. You've already done it. I think that's the important part. I have two thoughts. One is on cadence of distribution. And one is on digital marketing for retail. So cadence of distribution. What's the th what's the saying? More doors, more sold, or something like that. Right. Yeah, so it's like, a, it's like an ego thing. Yeah. Right. And so we were we were very strategic in just partnering with Target and then just adding on Walmart and then halting for at least 12, 12 to 18, 24 months. Um, and I think people don't realize how much damage you can do in just Target and Walmart. And if you give them that you know, maybe not contractually, but in a, at least a verbal agreement that, um, that exclusivity, yeah. how powerful you can make that symbiotic relationship because Target's not going to give you an end cap if you're in 15,000 doors. Yeah. Right. Target's not going to give you four placements of sales if you're in 15,000 doors. Right. And so you need, you need to cadence that distribution and you need to be very strategic with that distribution. We're back in the day, especially for a brand like us who is getting, you know, 800 million of views a month through an influencer program. It made a lot of sense to say, Hey, we need to be fucking everywhere. Right. Insert, you know, goalie, for example, who, yeah. who, who was in every door that anyone has ever been, you know, the second they had that mass brand awareness. Right. So 
cadence of distributions is crucial and building those relationships one by one with the retailer is crucial. And, you know, I can only speak on that so much because we've only been in retail for not even 12 months, but, you know, I can already tell it's going to be very important. I'm very glad that we didn't do rapid distribution. And then there's digital marketing. You know, the big, not that I think there's a lot of haters on Bloom by any means, but there was definitely a, a big question mark. Yeah, you can shut that for me. Thank you, baby. There was definitely a big question mark around Bloom was, could they translate that D to C success over to retail? Yeah. Because a lot of brands can't. That's one of the most difficult things for a D to C brand to do. And I think the reason that that, you know, conspiracy, let's say, exists that D to C brands can't translate the success into retail is because, you know, brand Y goes into Target and then just expects sales to happen. Yeah. You know, I'm spending millions of dollars a month trying to make sure everyone knows we're in Target. And that's not just through Roundell. That's not just through Target's marketing platform. In fact, it's I'm trying to get people who don't even go to Target right now to make sure they know we're in Target, right? So a huge part of our entire marketing efforts are about sending people to Target and making sure at the very least they know we're in Target. And that's how we've been able to translate that success. And there's been almost zero cannibalization to our other channels, by the way. So, you know, it's it's. I think that that's a huge mistake that a lot of brands make. I see a lot of brands go into a very powerful retailer like Target or Walmart and borderline not even tell anyone they're there. Or they do one fun launch and yeah. then they stop talking about it. You know, we run paid we run paid ads about saying go to Target. There's zero attribution. Imagine a Facebook ad with zero attribution. I sound like a fucking idiot running that. <laughs> but it works. You know, we see Lyft. I run Facebook ads to Amazon. People think I'm insane. Yeah. There's no pixel on Amazon. People think I'm insane, but I do it um, because I think that Facebook guys work and they target the, per the perfect customer and you need to make sure they know you're in that store and to make sure they want to go get you in that store. And that, and that pays dividends. So like, for example, September, we have this end cap. It's crazy that Target's trusting a brand that's been in there for 10 months with a huge branded end cap in full chain, right? I'm going to make sure they don't regret that decision. Yeah. Right. We're going to do a ridiculous September campaign saying go shop at Target. And then guess what? When I go to Minneapolis, I have an appointment on October 3rd with the whole all the VPs over there. I'm going to slap those September sales down on the table the second that meeting starts and says, This is what happens when you give us an end cap. This is what happens when you give us this opportunity. We're not going to let you down. And we're going, you know, the more opportunities you give us, the more we can insert that into this, you know, media machine that we have. Right. So, you know, I call an end cap a studio because yeah. you can send it, you can send influencers to target and set and make content with that end cap. Yeah. Right. So, and by the way, an end caps also the greatest possible IRL billboard that exists, yeah. right? It's, it's, it's someone who literally has a shopping cart. They're trying to spend money. They want to see, they're trying to buy something. They see this amazing greens product with education, explaining what the product is who wouldn't want to incorporate better fruits and vegetables into their life, let alone, you know, the whole formula. So I think end caps are like, you know, branded moments within retailers are, are so valuable and people do not put enough effort into getting them. Yeah. I think and they, they, think, they, 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 they think they deserve them for some reason, even though they're not, you know, doing what I'm talking about. I talked to um, a Walmart buyer a lot about this, uh, you know, just that the, the lack of sell through strategy that brands have, like they think, well, I did the sell in, the hard part's over, which to me, it's actually the opposite. That's the easiest part. The yes. hardest part is like get somebody to take it off of the shelf and put it into their cart and buy it and then keep doing it millions of times over. That's the toughest thing to do. And to your point, like, because I think awareness always precedes trial is that you have to create it. And most of your customers, or I would argue most everybody's customers at this point, it's like most of their awareness starts online. Like that's yes. where it starts. Like that's where it starts. Like people find out about brands online and then they go through their journey, however many steps they take to validate things. Sometimes people go to Amazon and look at social proof and they'll go, okay, this looks like it checks out. And then it's it's in the consideration set. Then it's a matter of, like you said, if it's at Target or it's at Walmart or all these ones where they're typically at and they see it, then they're going to buy it. And I think that that's where it is. Like you don't, as a marketer and especially a digital marketer, like you'd love to see the data in which those steps in which people take. But I don't necessarily think that that's readily available. I think you have to trust that like you understand consumer behavior, which is 
frictionless. I need to appease the general kind of shopping behaviors of my core customers. And yes. if I keep doing that and that's all I focus on, then I'm going to win. And, and I have to trust that that's going to be it. I'm going to do everything I can to control the, the variables I can control, but like I need to make sure that I focus on consumer behavior over focusing on, I need to have these clean data sets. And I've noticed, at least from all the brands that I've worked on that are, you know, these are like savant digital markers. Like they are so anal about the numbers that they forget that there's consumer behaviors that like just don't make sense. Like, yeah customers and, and shopping and all that kind of stuff, like be, like people that make the, the patterns in which they do, like we're not as easy to understand as they think. They think, well, well, this is what the numbers say. It's like, that's not reality. You're missing so many. Yeah, you're doing well, but like you're actually creating so much leakage in your brand because you don't, you're not accounting for like just natural behaviors and, and things that which people are doing because it's counter to the data in which you're only seeing a you know, one percent of the of the transactions or whatever that is. Anyways, it's it's kind of crazy. So I'm I'm glad that like, you know, you're saying like, yeah, I'm a I'm a digital marketer, but like you're also open up your aperture and go like, I have to focus on what the hell is the best customer experience for my Bloom people. That's it. Like that's all I need to care about. Where it, where yeah. they go, I don't care. But I want them to buy our stuff. That's it. Exactly. That's, that's yeah. what I want to do. And thinking of shopping behavior or shopper behavior and linking that back to cadence of distribution, dude, we were crazy to wait for target, right? We could have gone into, I'm not going to answer their names because maybe one day we'll go in them, but we could have gone in so many stores in 2020, right? With stores that have thousands of doors, right? But we waited for target. And I think people should be in no rush and they should wait for what they yeah. feel like is perfect for their shopper. And also what you spoke about, you know, you would think that since I'm a digital marketer by trade, or you know my soul i'm a data guy i'm not a data guy right i'm i we don't actually have a we have 55 people on this team we don't have one data analyst um like we're not data people right like we're we're social we're social people like we try to really understand the customer we do it we do a lot of surveys and whatnot but like i'm not first of all if you're not in retail for 12 months you can't even get numerator or spins it makes no you know there's no l52 so there's nothing that can even help you but we're still sending these records without any numerator or without any spins so you know i think I think just just waiting to strike when it's when it's exactly what you feel like is right is also a very important part of that process. But yeah, I mean, we're on the same page with a lot of things here. Yeah, I think it's to your point. I think patience is is something that uh, in entrepreneurship, like you need to really understand. I always make this point of like serving the right master is like the brand and the customer, which are, to me is the same thing because I, you own the business, but the customer owns the brand. So like really whatever yeah. they think of the brand and what that customer wants, like that's really who your master is. Now, most people serve the wrong master. They serve what the retailer wants or, you know, these revenue goals, these types of things where like it gets them off track of that long-term vision where I think you guys are saying and doing it the right way and saying like, we're going to take the opportunities that are right, that make sense to our vision. And we're going to take the time based on our customers and our brand, not on how quick can we scale this up? Because I think that, you know, if it's an example like Goalie or the, like, I'll say that in the, you know, 11 years of consulting plus a couple extra years of like working on brand strategy inside the house of some is like, I've seen a lot of shooting stars just in the, in the space. You know what I mean? Like you have people that to, to get up to 250 real quick. And then in a couple of years, you're like, where did they go? Yeah. Because they're just serving the wrong master. They're not focused on what is best for my customer. What it, like what is best for that brand? And if you keep that as your north star, you ultimately should continue to be a viable brand in the in the industry and have a place and have that distinct identity that makes sense for everybody. Eventually, people just lose they lose sight of that. They start to focus on the wrong things instead of just this is. It seems it, it's funny because I say these things and a lot of times I'll say them in like when I'm working in with with new clients and things like that. and then they look at me like that's your profound statement and they it's like the simplicity of that statement if you don't really understand it you, you actually miss what i'm trying to, to mention here it's not, it's like it is simple but it's also missed 90 percent of the time most of them are focused on things that are in the weeds instead of focusing on what is best for the brand and what's best for the customer i mean it seems simple but that's it that's that's the, that's business uh, yeah, I think the key word there is brand, right? You know, when we, as, as as a company, when we speak about marketing, we talk about growing awareness of Bloom, 
not growing awareness of our greens. You know, who knows what the heart, I won't speak on it here, but what our horizontal expansion looks like in terms of product line. And I mean, we do happen to have what might be the greatest name, Bloom, shout out to, shout out to my wife, Mari, for coming up with the name. But, uh, you know, it's, it, it's, a, it's a platform brand is what we're trying to build here that can go on to other products. I mean, look at what Orgain has done. Orgain yeah. has a beautiful portfolio. You know, there's something to be said about a hero scoop brand like currently Bloom probably, or definitely like Vital Proteins that can be a huge nine figure brand with one product, but, or with most of it being from one product, but there's something to be said about our game too, which has several products that are just crushing it. And it's because they've built a platform brand. Um, and that's a very different strategy in terms of how you handle your marketing. You know, I, I guess I'm privy to a little bit of the different things that you guys are playing around with, but like, I, um, I think there is an important thing to think about with, yeah, there's that hero, let's go deep into one, like the Oreo play, like, let's just go as deep as possible. Into yeah, one thing. I mean, and then there's the most recent one that would be considered like the functional way would be Quest, but like, it took Quest a long time to move from yeah. just the bar to now bars and chips. And like, and that was yeah, they have other ones that like are great as well, but like, those are both nine figure businesses in their selves. Yeah. And like, those are typically even merchandised in different sets of the grocery store, which like that's tough to get to in the CPG world is like, because as you go through those aisles, like it's tough to have all those messages being put in front of you, brands and this, that, and then you recognize the, the same one. You're like, oh, I saw them in aisle seven. Oh, that's the same brand. Okay, cool. Like that's yeah. such a tough thing to do. But it's I think it's a different know, fire. For, it's a completely different person. Yeah. You have a relationship with the store. By the way, those chips crush it. At yeah. Target, at least. I was just looking at the data earlier. Those chips crush my aisle. <laughs> but yeah, I think that that's like, you know, I wanted to kind of talk about what's next, but I think that is what's next probably for you guys is like, how do you transition into that platform brand, which, um, you know, could take quite a few years. But I think, yes. if you said, patience and focusing on what's best for the brand and what's best for the customer. Uh, I think you'll fall, uh, follow the right path towards that. Yeah, we're, we're, we're looking forward to it. We're not in much of a rush. We think there's a very high ceiling left for just the greens uh, and the different variants and, and, you know, sizing, flavors, whatever of the greens. But, um, you know, we're, we're very excited to expand horizontally. Obviously, I think this conversation, we could probably went for hours. I, I, I feel like I, yes. I have a lot of times <laughs> our guests would be like, I'm just getting started. I'm like... <laughs> I know. But don't worry. We could do we could do a part two. Maybe I'll come out to the uh, to the offices and and we'll That'd do like great. a formal or whatever. But um, I think everything you provided like tons of valuable information, which I totally appreciate. I appreciate the time that you gave me, Greg, and and just kind of sharing a bunch of information. So thank you. This was awesome, Joshua. Anytime I've reached out to you, you've gotten back to me very quickly, and I've asked you for some unique favors in the past. Uh, you're you're a great person in the industry, so appreciate this. Appreciate you. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast episode. If you have any comments or questions about anything I discussed during it, open the podcast episode notes and click on any of my social media account links to reach out to me directly. 